Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. This is Lee Habib, and this is Our American Stories, and we tell stories about everything here on the show, including your stories. Send them to OurAmericanStories.com. They're some of our favorites. And on this show, America is the star. The American people are the star. Speaking of which, The Nostalgia Awakens is an exhibit featuring every action figure toy made by Kenner from 1978 to 1985 based on the original three Star Wars movies. The Star Wars toys on display are from Jared Roll, enthusiast and museum curator from Wisconsin. He and his brother Kevin owned many of the toys when they were children. 
As an adult, Jared collected the rest of the original toys. Here's Jared Roll to share the story of how Star Wars toys revolutionized movie merchandising, licensing, and even how kids play. Well, I guess we will go back to, you know, to the beginning, and that was in 1977. At that time, I was four years old, and my mother is a, is a fan of sci-fi. She watched syndicated Star Trek episodes, and she had learned of this movie called Star Wars that was coming out. And by the time we saw it, it already had gained a lot of uh, interest, a lot of hype. Star Wars was released in May of 1977 to only 32 theaters in the United States. Just to put that in perspective, so 32 theaters. It's uh, when The Force Awakens was released. It was it debuted in over 4,000 theaters. So again, there are people who have documented the story of Star Wars. You know, the little movie that could, and how it just changed everything. When that movie came out, there was nothing like it. It changed everything. It changed how we think about the relationship of toys and movies, uh, merchandising, licensing, how kids play. I mean, it really solidified action figure toys. I mean, up to that point, toys were not licensed for movies like they are now. They just, movies weren't around long enough to justify the cost for toy companies to invest in a toy line. So with the exception of some evergreen uh, licenses like Disney, uh, Looney Tunes, you know, because they were around for for decades and they had other ways of appearing. Unless it was a TV show, action figure and toy lines, they weren't made for movies. And so that's why when the Kenner Toy Company signed on to be the the sole producer of toys for the Star Wars movies, they were taking a risk. If you would go to Walmart today or, or Target or any place where toys are sold, you will see toys you know, in the aisle for blockbuster movies before the movie even comes out. That's a given. You want to just get the most out of it, help even create excitement for that property. But when Star Wars came out in 1977, kids like me who left the theater, we wanted toys for that movie. But there were no toys to be had. When George Lucas was in the process of creating Star Wars, he knew he had a story that would appeal to kids. So George Lucas shopped around the Star Wars license to the big toy companies first, saying, you know, I've got a movie coming out. I can't tell you a lot about it. I can't show you much about it because I'm keeping it a secret. But, you know, it's going to be science fiction and it's going to involve, you know, characters that I think will translate well into a toy line. And the bigger toy companies like Mattel and Mego, you know, they said, we'll pass. You know, there's too much risk involved. Quite frankly, you know, science fiction just really doesn't appeal to kids right now. And so it's not worth our risk to do that. That's where now the, the Kenner toy company enters the scene. Now, Kenner, at this point, they were a small toy manufacturer in Cincinnati, Ohio. They were a subsidiary of General Mills Foods. So if you've ever eaten Count Chocula cereal, you know, that's the company we're talking about. And they were just the, the small toy arm of, of General Mills. And so they were willing to take a look at it. And it was just one of those stories where, where you just had the right people working for Kenner at the time that saw the potential of this movie and 
being a smaller company, they have there's slightly less risk, and they can be a little more nimble than versus a, a giant toy company. And so Kenner Toys said, "We will do this. We can do this." And they shared some product samples with uh, Lucasfilm, and Lucasfilm uh, said, "Yeah, you 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 know we're we're on the same page when it comes to this." And so they signed an agreement with Lucasfilm, and they were the ones to make these toys. Yeah, people will will tell the story about Bernie Loomis, you know, being asked the question, you know, he was the president of Kenner at the time. What size should we make these action figures? And Bernie Loomis will, you know, stretched out his his finger and his thumb and said, they sh- Luke should be this tall, um, and that size was three and three quarter inch. The decision that Kenner made was based on the idea that they knew to make this toy line really really catch on with kids they needed to have a world for kids to play in they needed to have environments you know what we call play sets they needed to have vehicles for the figures to go in and to do that you can't do that inexpensively with a 12 inch toy line up to that point up to up to 1977 12 inch was a very common action figure or doll size for for boys dolls or action figures gi joe really started that certainly solidified it in the 60s and early 70s but they knew to have a Millennium Falcon that you can't make a Millennium Falcon for a 12-inch Han Solo there was it would be so expensive and there in you know and retailers wouldn't want it for their shelves because it would dominate an entire shelf for itself and so they the three and three quarter inch line you know that that made sense and Bernie Loomis made that choice to to keep the figures to that smaller size for that reason but it would take a full year before action figure toys were even available for that property. So when Christmas 77 rolls around, kids like me, we want, we want Star Wars toys for Christmas. That, you know, Christmas is the time that we get our toys. And unfortunately, Kenner, uh, you know, even though they're all working nonstop weekends around the clock to try to get toys out as fast as they can, there's no way they can get them to the shelves in time for the holiday 77 season. And we're listening to Jared Roll tell the story of how a small toy company beats the big company to the market on the Star Wars toy franchise. When we come back, more of this remarkable story about Star Wars on Our American Stories. Folks, if you love the great American stories we tell and love America like we do, we're asking you to become a part of the Our American Stories family. If you agree that America is a good and great country, please make a donation. A monthly gift of $17.76 is fast becoming a favorite option for supporters. Go to OurAmericanStories.com now and go to the Donate button and help us keep the great American stories coming. That's OurAmericanStories.com. And we continue with our American stories and the story from museum curator Jared Roll. Let's pick up where Jared left off, telling the story of how the small toy company, Kenner, took the offer from George Lucas to manufacture Star Wars toys after all the big toy companies passed on what seemed to be too much of a gamble. Kenner began production immediately, but wouldn't have a single action figure on the shelves until a year after the first Star Wars movie premiered but they had a plan, kind of. Here again is Jared Roll. So rather than miss out on 
all the excitement about Star Wars that Christmas, Kenner Toys, uh, this is Bernie Loomis is the president at the time, he and his team come up with an idea, and it was a very risky idea, and that was to sell an empty package to kids so that at least there's something to go under the tree that year. And what that was, it was called the early bird kit, and it was approximately a you know 16 inch by nine inch cardboard envelope, very colorful. Um, and in the inside, all you had was a, a cardboard display arena with pictures of of what the action figures will eventually look like. There are just you know, representations of the, the characters translated in the action figures, so it's a little display arena. And then there's some stickers and, uh, and then uh, a slip that you filled out and put in the, in the mail. And then it says, when these figures are available, you know, which is between February and June of 1978, you're gonna get them. You'll get Luke, you'll get Leia, R2, and Chewbacca, the first four. And so it was a real risk, and, and some people scoffed at the idea. It's like, how, 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 where, do you, where do you come up with the idea of selling an empty package for kids for Christmas that seems like a non-gift? But yet at the same time, for the people that did receive those, for those kids that did receive those early bird kits under the, the Christmas tree, you, right, it wasn't the figures, but it was the next best thing. It was a promise for the figures, and at least it was something. And by all accounts, the people that I spoke to personally who did receive one at Christmas time, or the accounts I've read, they were excited to get them. And many of them, thousands were sold. And it's one of those just wonderful toy stories that has gone down in history about when Kenner sold an empty package to kids, when inside all you had was a promise. And that is, kid, you're going to be the first to get them when they're available. They're just not ready right now for you. Merry Christmas. So the early bird kit, if you can find one sealed, like unopened, we're talking five figures. You know, I honestly, they don't come up very often, you know, but if you have one, like I have one as part of the Nostalgia Awakens exhibit, I have the, the, you know, it's the original envelope and thankfully the kid who opened it did a really nice job opening it just on the side, just to kind of slit the side open just so carefully and pulled the contents out. And, and so it has all the contents yet. And, you know, that thing costs a few thousand dollars to, to buy. At least it did when I had bought it. Because, again, it's cardboard is what you call ephemeral. It's, it's not meant to last forever. Now, I did not get the early bird kit uh, as a kid uh, at, at the time. I wasn't even aware of it as a kid. Where When I first started getting toys was when everybody else pretty much did. And that was going to be in spring of 1978. So I remember the day, actually. So I would have been five years old, just about five. I, I, yeah, because I turned five in April, and it was springtime because it was warm out. And my, my, my mom and my brother and I were over at her friend's house visiting, and my mother's friend's son, Jamie, who is my age, he shows me a, a little Darth Vader action figure. And I bugged my mom. I said, Mom, they have toys of Star Wars now can you take me to go get one? And, you know, after enough haranguing, we eventually went to uh, what we used to call the, 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 the five and dime stores. And I still remember the creaky wood floors and walking in there and that kind of smell of a, uh, a small town five and dime store and walking in and seeing the display for Star Wars and walking really quickly up to it and just looking and scanning with my eyes just to see what they made. 
And there in this end cap is a selection of, of, of action figures, you know, on, on blister cards. And I remember just standing there and I would take one off, I'd look at the back and then I'd set it in and, and just have to make a choice. And my mom's like, okay, make a choice, come on, ready to go, ready to check out. And, and I didn't know which one. And I could only pick one, which was really hard because I don't know what you do with just one of them. But uh, at the time, I remember C-3PO was there and, and uh, R2-D2 was there and a Sam person was there. But, uh, but Luke wasn't there, otherwise I would have got him right away, I'm sure. But Chewbacca was there, and so he was the one I picked, and I took him home, and he was my first Star Wars action figure, and he's the one that, that just started it all. And then from that point on, getting Star Wars toys was such an important part of my childhood. You know, it was always on my radar. You know, if I could save any little bit of money, you know, and we would stop at a small, you know, at a store or whatever, or a grocery store sometimes carried them, and they weren't very expensive. They were originally they were under two bucks a piece, so they're you know they're within purchasing power of a kid. But the real big, you know, big opportunity to start a collection would have been at Christmas of that year, Christmas of '78. Uh, my grandparents they were the ones that really gave us the toys. Were my grandparents, and they would also get the Sears and J.C. Penney Christmas catalogs in October. And I remember that year getting, you know, laying down on the floor, their carpeted floor in their living room and turning page by page and just seeing those toys in there and just circling and circling and circling. And of course, you circled them all because you want them all. Uh, that year, uh, that Christmas was wonderful because we received a lot, of, uh, a lot of Star Wars product under the tree. And, and that was amazing. Star Wars had such staying power in the late 1970s. I mean... We have to remember that it didn't just influence kids, uh, you know, kids' toys and kids' imagination. It influenced everything. When we go back and look and see the influence on entertainment, for example, Star Wars was parodied on, on Saturday Night Live. It was there were there were so many knockoff movies that were produced uh, during that time. And, you know, adults too, and, and adults loved Star Wars as well. It wasn't just kids. It, it people back then of all ages really fell in love with that story and with those characters. Everybody tried to cash in on the excitement surrounding Star Wars, so it was always there. It was always in front of us. Um, you know, trading cards and comic books, it lived on. So even if, that, if Star Wars left your local theater, it lived on. I remember getting bubblegum cards of, of Star Wars, and those were very important because that helped me as a kid remember the movie and also re learn more about the lore of the movie. And these cards would tell you who the, you know, the names of the characters. And it'll tell you like what was going on in that scene because it happens so fast when you're sitting in the theater. And I only saw it twice as a kid. And so these cards helped fill in those gaps and really expand that story for me. And it was all canon. It was all Star Wars. It wasn't like somebody was making stuff up. It was all there. And so that, that helped Star Wars stay in my mind uh, all throughout that time period, 77, 78, 79, and then the excitement of Empire coming out. So it never, it never waned. It was always there. And part of it too, I wonder, is that because we were never fully satisfied. You know, when, when you're, my kids today, you know, when they see a, when we go to the theater and see a movie, you know, it's on DVD six months later and they'll watch it over and over and over and over again because it's a great movie. But then it's just kind of, you know, it's, it's gone. And then, you know, the next great blockbuster comes along. I mean, we live in a time period now where we have so much 
so many wonderful stories being told of properties that we're excited about, superheroes in space and things that, you know, that as a kid, this weren't there. And, and so it, uh, it has such staying power that and the anticipation of the sequel. We had to find out what happened next. And when we saw what happened next, and we find out that you know, the good guys really lose in this movie, Han Solo is frozen, Luke loses his hand, and Darth Vader is his father. Whoa, what's gonna happen next? Well, you have to wait another three years. Like, what a, that was like a lifetime of waiting for that to happen. But it was always there, and people making products made sure we were always reminded of Star Wars. You know, they, they, they knew it too, and so there was always something there to remind us. Uh, oh, uh, books on tape. So we had, as a kid, I had a little storybook with a little cassette tape, and I'd listen to that thing over and over and over again. You know, and so I knew the movies well, not because I saw the movies a lot, but because of all this other stuff that went along with it. And great job, as always, to Greg Hengler. Jared Roll's story of Star Wars merchandising and something more on America and American lives here on Our American Story. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. There's a lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters, without taking too much of your time. 
The Seven from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The Seven every weekday. So follow The Seven right now. This is Our American Stories, and now it's time for our series, Do the Right Thing, which revolves around ethical dilemmas and always sponsored by the great folks at the Daniels Fund. Robbie brings us the story of a man who gave up the chance to be the CEO of a Fortune 500 company because of one man's character. Here's Robbie. At the age of only 23, Tim Luliet got the opportunity to work at Ford Motors with industry icons like Lee Iacocca and Henry Ford II. There, he quickly rose to management level. Later, when he was offered what most would see as a life-changing opportunity, he turned it down to work with one man, racing and auto manufacturing legend, Roger Penske, the current owner of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, whose company is worth over one and a half billion dollars. I was gonna go become chairman of Federal Mogul, and, um... And I needed a, I needed references. You know, it's a normal process. So I asked my neighbor, a guy named Roger Penske, if he would be one of the references for me. And he said, yeah, but only if you have dinner with me tonight. I said, oh, okay. And he said, look, for a lot of reasons, uh, he says, I need somebody to come in and help me run this business. So I'll be happy to be a reference, but if you want to come in and help me operate some of the myriad of businesses that Penske had grown and clean them up, he said, I'd be happy to, to, you know, find you a spot here to do that. So I, I sat back with my wife and I said, I here can be the chairman, CEO of a Fortune 500 company, or I can be the, at the right hand of Roger Penske. This is an easy call. I can always be CEO and chairman someday of somebody else. Uh, I'm going to learn here. And that was some of the most beneficial days of my career uh, with Roger. When Roger said, hey, let's go to dinner, and we agreed, he said, he said, are you, are you free tomorrow night? I said, well, yeah, why? He said, well, I gotta go to Europe. He said, let's, let's go to Europe and, uh, and we'll talk on the plane and we'll come back on Friday. <laughs> Tim knew he wanted to work with Roger Penske, but seeing Roger's character in action solidified his decision. So the reason he was going to Europe is that he had a company that was making fuel injectors for Mercedes trucks. Mercedes is, uh, people don't know this, but Mercedes instead, in addition to being a very good luxury car manufacturer, is the number one manufacturer of, of class A trucks in the world. Uh, they own Freightliner here in the States, but Mercedes brand everywhere else. And the Actros, which was the truck back then uh, they had, was the number one truck and it was all new, and all new engines, new emissions. Diesel engines used to be pretty dirty. They're still not the cleanest things on earth, but to get these things cleaner, you have to run high pressure fuel. And Roger had a great relationship with Mercedes because we built Formula One racing engines for Mercedes back then. So it was a just strong relationship. So even though he didn't have a long history of making fuel injectors, when they did this new truck, they gave it to Roger and they were impossible to make. 
and they had fallen behind. It was a very difficult product to make. And the Mercedes Class 8 truck in Europe is the truck in Europe. And so here, here was the truck line down and the engine line down. And you're a plant manager and you're supposed to be making engines, you don't have parts. Even though the decision was made by the chairman of Mercedes, you're the, you're the plant manager, you're in trouble, right? And, uh, and Roger knew this guy was in trouble. And, and knew that, that his reputation was based upon delivering what he promised. And when he didn't, it hurt him personally. And here Roger Penske was preventing them from building and selling trucks because he couldn't get fuel injectors from the engines and he was sole sourced. So he had taken his personal Gulfstream and taken all the seats out and put crates of fuel injectors on his own personal plane and was flying over to Germany to apologize to the plant manager. Here's the, a guy running a, at the time, one of the largest private enterprises in the world. Takes time off to fly just to meet this guy handing more fuel injectors. At a level so far below the chairman of the Mercedes, the plant manager didn't know Roger Penske from Roger Rabbit. All he knows is he's got a supplier that's not delivering. But when Roger gives his word, he gives his word. And when something happens like that, he said, this, this won't happen again. And it never, it never did, by the way. I got involved, I put a new plant manager in, we did some things there to fix it up. But it was a tough thing to do. But Roger felt obligated. Roger didn't go and call the chairman of Mercedes and say, well, I'm gonna try and work it out. There was this plant manager over here who wasn't delivering engines that was getting his butt chewed. And Roger went to him and apologized. And then we flew back <laughs> with an empty plane. It was a brand new Gulfstream too. I mean, it was just, you know, it was really nice. Uh, but that's Roger, whatever it takes. And here's an individual who had a lot of other things going on in his life and he just he, he flew over to, to take care of that. But the point is, is that to Roger, that honor and that responsibility were very personal. One thing about Roger, it's interesting. You have a meeting with Roger and around a conference table, and you know, people drink coffee and do this and do that. When Roger gets up, he cleans the table. Whether it's your coffee cup, his coffee cup, done. You're traveling with him, he doesn't where the bags are put down, he picks bags up, especially if there's a, a woman's bag. He won't let him, they're not carrying the suitcase. I'll, I'll carry the suitcase, he, he carries it. He's, um, uh, he, go, he goes into the bathroom and he wipes the mirror if there's stains on it in a, you know, in a public bathroom. He, he, he is focused on helping, doing things uh, to improve things for others. And you want him as your partner because if he owns 1% of something, he feels honor bound to help the enterprise as much as if he owned 100 of it. So we had a, we had a partnership back with Kmart back when I was at the time, and we're, we're going through Kmart to go back to our section. We had Penske Auto Centers. And, and as we're walking through back to the corner where our products are, he's straightening the, the aisle of the, of the other stuff, of soaps and other things as we're going down the aisle because it didn't look right. And it didn't. The store was not well managed. And here he is straightening, 
you know, aisles and straightening displays of things that were not ours, but they looked bad. And he didn't like people seeing that walking back to the to our part of the building. I, he is just, he is one of those unique individuals. I would say that, that outside of my father, he's a person that probably tell me more about life and responsibilities than anybody I ever met. He's a, he's a unique individual. And a special thanks to Tim Luliet. And my goodness, what a story. And more often than not, don't go after the money, folks. Go after the learning every time. Chase the learning and chase the integrity. And special thanks to Robbie for the work on this and Alex for chasing down the story. And a special thanks to the Daniels Fund and their ethics initiative and our Do the Right Thing series, which is about ethical dilemmas. And my goodness, to learn more about bringing their ethics programs to your school business, or police department, or any other organization, go to danielsfund.org. And if you have stories about ethical dilemmas, we'd love to hear them. Send them to ouramericanstories.com. And there are a bunch of words, eight in, in essence, at the Daniels Fund Ethics Initiative. And they're important words. And in this one, what springs to mind is integrity and trust. And my goodness, integrity, act with honesty in all situations. Trust, build trust in all stakeholder relationships. And my goodness, Roger Penske's actions are the embodiment of integrity and trust, which is the basis for all relationships, business, personal, and everything in between. Our Do the Right Thing series here on Our American Story. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. 
Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. This is Our American Stories, and up next, an important story about our own history. In 1803, the United States bought the Louisiana Territory from France, doubling the size of this country. Here's our own Monty Montgomery and Dr. Brad and Deidre Berzer with the story. The year is 1803, and four people, Thomas Jefferson, Robert Livingston, James Monroe, and Napoleon are about to get involved in one of the most interesting land deals in history. Here's Brad Berzer and Deidre Berzer of Hillsdale College with more. So the Louisiana Purchase was one of those fascinating moments in really world history, not just in American history, but you have that moment where Napoleon is trying so hard to maintain his grasp and his control on things going on in Europe and in the colonies But because of the Haitian Revolution, he loses control of the West Indies, and it takes him a lot of money and a lot of manpower, a lot of resources to try and reclaim that. And when he gets bogged down trying to reclaim Haiti, he decides that one of the best things to do in the New World is get rid of Louisiana, which the French, of course, had controlled for centuries and uh, wanted to recontrol again. I mean, they believed that they could recreate New France in some way and maybe in a very revolutionary direction. But once the Haitian Revolution happened and Napoleon started losing his grip on the New World, he decided that it was really in his best interest to get as much money as possible, actual specie, get money, uh, get as much money as possible and sell off the possibility or the obligations that he had in North America. New Orleans is incredibly important in this, too. So in New Orleans, the Spanish had declared that the right to deposit was no longer going to be allowed. So that meant that traders could no longer stockpile their goods in New Orleans waiting for ships to take them out. So Livingston had been sent by Jefferson to France to try to buy New Orleans and West in South Florida, <laughs> to buy Florida. And so that's what they had permission to do when Napoleon then presented this offer of buying all of Louisiana. And they couldn't get a message across the Atlantic fast enough for Jefferson to weigh in on it. So uh, Monroe was due in the next day as Secretary of State. So it was really up to Livingston and Monroe what to do. And um, 
they had to figure that out, really, kind <laughs> of second guessing what would Jefferson want them to do, and they said yes. We will buy Louisiana. And so Napoleon supposedly said something along the lines of, what will you give it to me for? <laughs> I mean, what will you give me for it? And he does so with $15 million. Uh, once he does that, we gain an extra 800,000 square miles, one of the largest land deals ever done in world history. It almost, not quite, but almost doubled the legal size of the United States at that point. And that means that we're purchasing acreage at about three cents an acre, which is why it makes it one of the most important and weirdest land deals in history. But despite the amazing deal on land, the purchase wasn't without controversy. Jefferson himself was reluctant to make the purchase only because he didn't know if Article 2 of the, of the U.S. Constitution or even if the Constitution as a whole allowed us to purchase land. But there was a huge difference in acquiring land and paying for land. So they, they made a, a strong distinction between what we would call expansionism versus what would have been called imperialism at the time. Uh, Jefferson was an anti-imperialist, but he was very pro-expansion. And people in his party, like his secretary, or his, uh, the Speaker of the House at the time, John Randolph of Roanoke, was adamantly opposed to the possibility of the executive using money this way and using the executive power to purchase land for a lot of reasons. One, they were worried about what would happen to the American Indian. They were worried about the question of slavery. Jefferson, of course, was adamantly against slavery in the West, uh, adamantly, but there was still this worry. And it also, there was a worry that there was being too much power being given to the executive. So when we look back now, we celebrate. It's become so much a part of our, our narrative as an American people that it's very hard for us to question it. But at the time, it was truly questioned and it caused a lot of political problems. Jefferson himself had qualms, but he decided that it was worth the risk simply because the opportunity was so great and, as Deidre said, was so chancy because uh, Napoleon was problematic and he was moody and you didn't know exactly what he was going to do on one day or the next day. And here was this opportunity. And so Jefferson decided just to go ahead and make the most of it. And one of the reasons that Lewis and Clark were being sent out as quickly as they were was to show and demonstrate that this Louisiana purchase was worth it. You know, they did have some sort of idea of what was in Louisiana, but most of it was rumors. And Jefferson's own ideas changed about changed on this pretty dramatically. Uh, if you look at some of his writings in the 1780s and the 1790s, Jefferson was convinced that there were certain vapors that the West breathed, and maybe these came from stories of Yellowstone, but that there were vapors that allowed the Indians to be physically superior to the European. He thought that in the West, there were still probably mastodons. There were various kinds of, of ancient creatures still running around, and in large part because of these vapors that were supposedly were being breathed. But, and I say all of this because it's, I mean, it, it sounds so absurd to us now. By 1803, Jefferson had calmed down on a lot of this, and wasn't so convinced that there had been these kind of uh, almost mythical elements of the West. But those mythical elements certainly helped shape how we viewed the West. But even some of their more serious views on things that potentially existed in the West would seem a bit strange today. 
They wanted to see if there was a passage to Japan and China and to India and find out if there was a way to have a trade route in which America could gain control over that Eastern trade and outcompete Europe as well. There was this strange vision and it's an old enlightenment vision, but it's the idea that land has to have symmetry to it. So if Eastern America had the Appalachian Mountains and it had the Mississippi River, then Western America had to have the equivalent of the Appalachian Mountains and the equivalent of a Mississippi River. Now, that's ridiculous, of course, and we know land doesn't work that way, but that was part of 18th century thought on the way that creation worked, that there would have to be that symmetry. But even if we don't take it to that level, you can imagine what 800,000 square miles of farmland would mean for the average European coming over to America. I mean, this is a paradise, an absolute paradise. The same land had been farmed for generation after generation, sometimes thousands of years in Europe. And now suddenly there's what they call virgin soil or virgin land in America. This, this seemed Edenic or utopian to them. And uh, they certainly believed that they had this gift from God that is this, this huge amount of land and that they should take as much of that as they can, not in a greedy sense, but in the sense that it needed to be used in the way that God wanted it to be used, as we see in Genesis, where God gives stewardship and dominion to man. Jefferson personally, of course, was not that religious. But Jefferson did see expansion into the West as something that was glorious and important for America. In 1801, Jefferson said, A rising nation spread over a wide and fruitful land, traversing all the seas with the rich productions of their industry, engaged in commerce with nations who feel power and forget right, advancing rapidly to destinies beyond the reach of mortal eye. When I contemplate these transcendent objects and see the honor, the happiness, and the hopes of this beloved country committed to the issue and the auspices of this day, I shrink before the contemplation and humble myself before the magnitude of the undertaking. And that, that was critical for Jefferson. This idea that this land is this gift that's given to us to attempt a republic, to actually see if we can have an agrarian republic. And Jefferson makes this statement at the time, and this, you know, we think about the symmetry being odd and the fact that there might be mastodons or the possibility is just bizarre. Uh, when we look back, especially, I mean, given Jefferson, maybe the, the most intelligent mind ever born on, on North or South American soil, how could he think like that? Well, let me put it this way. One way to think about America is always to understand the West as its future. If America is to have a future, it will always be in the West. That was the understanding in the late 18th and early 19th century. So when you talked about the West, you're really talking about America and what America is. There was that much of an identification with what the West was and what the frontier was. So that's part of what Jefferson is playing into when he's able to go ahead and purchase these 800,000 square miles. Part of the reason he's able to do that is because of this great myth of America. It's not a false myth, I think it's a true myth, but this myth of, well, what is the West? The West is our future, and we definitely have to secure it. And great job as always to Monty, and a special thanks to Dr. Brad and Deidre Berzer. The story of the Louisiana Purchase, here on Our American Story. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast 
is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.